Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church. We are recording today from our basement studio at our home church in Oak Brook, Illinois, and I am so excited to be here with you today. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I serve on staff here as the women's director. And while we will have many amazing guests on the show over the course of the months to come, I have the privilege to be your official host for this podcast. If you want to know a little bit more about where the idea for this podcast came from or why it's called Deeper Still and what it's all about, be sure to give a listen to our show overview that you can find in your episode list. Well, to get us started today, we are going to have a conversation about something that I am especially passionate about. It's one of the reasons I do what I do every day. It's something I believe we need to be encouraged with maybe today more than ever. And it's a conversation revolving around the subject of influence. And to help me have that conversation and uh, to bring way more wisdom than I could ever bring to this topic on my own, I have a very special guest in our studio today to help us launch this podcast. My philosophy is go big or go home. And so one of my very most favorite people who I have learned um, influenced from almost on a daily basis, I have here with me the Reverend Dr. Dan Meyer. Dan has been the senior pastor of Christ Church for more than 20 years. He earned his Master's of Divinity from Yale Theological Seminary and his Doctor of Ministry from Fuller Theological Seminary. He is an author. He is a four-time Emmy Award winner. He is the chair of the Fuller Seminary Board. He has run multiple uh, World Vision Marathons. He is husband to Amy. He is the father of three incredible young men, Rush, Cole, and Reed, and there are so many more things he has done that could be added to this list, but some of my things that I admire most about Dan is he is a continuous learner, he is a curious observer, he is a strong and humble leader, he is authentic, he is kind, he is a champion of people, and he is passionate about following Jesus. So Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. So, Anne, thank you for letting me do this. This is really exciting. You were scraping the bottom of the barrel you brought me in, but I'll, I'm thrilled to be uh, privileged to do this with you. Well, we are over the moon that you are here with us today. And before we get started on this um, interview and some of the things we're going to talk about today, just tell us a little bit um, about how you are. In case you haven't noticed, there's a worldwide pandemic happening um, <laughs> today. You just reopened a church. How have the last few months been for you? You know, I think all of us feel like we've been living through crazy land. Uh, this has been such a wacky um, season. Uh, for me personally, maybe for others uh, listening to us today, it, it's gone through certain seasons. Uh, I remember at the beginning, I would just call it the adrenaline season. Uh, you know, it suddenly was clear the world had changed and uh, I needed to get home office equipment and needed to adjust the strategy for our church and uh, in those first uh, weeks and months just running really hard to try and adapt and uh, innovate and adjust to the circumstances and then I hit um, just a really um, hard season of, of sadness and of weariness and uh, I think um, I'm an extrovert by nature. I'm kind of a pathological extrovert. So being cut off from people in the ways that I'm 
accustomed to that um, kind of connection point uh, was very, very hard on me. And um, I think just being around the house all the time uh, just sapped a lot of my energy. And, and then I moved into, I guess, a third phase that I'm just going to call um, finding the best. And I remember hearing somebody once say to me that if a tree falls on you, pick the fruit. <laughs> it makes it easier to move the tree off of you. <laughs> and I felt a little bit like uh, the whole COVID season and not just the, the pandemic, of course, but all of the other tremendous um, tumult of our time, the racial unrest, the, uh, uh, the various struggles of our society and in our political and economic dimensions um, just felt like a very, very heavy weight. So I began to look for where the fruit was, where, where were there opportunities in the middle of all this? And I think I'm sort of still in that season mm. where I'm seeing um, opportunities for uh, different kinds of um, refreshment as I, I've just invested more in getting out into God's creation and, and seeing the beauty and smelling the roses, so to speak. Um, I think it's been a great season for Amy and for me of just uh, reconnecting. She's been working from home too, so we that was weird at first, you <laughs> right, know. It's weird for all of us. <laughs> Who are you, you right. know? But just the chance to see each other's uh, work rhythms, I think, deepened respect for each other that in a really wonderful way. And we've had uh, so many more uh, good conversations and meal times. Um, it's been a chance to do more reading and reflecting on really. What I'm, what my life is really about, and it's, and when the church left the building, it was a great chance for the church to, to recover, uh, and for me to recover as a church leader, a sense that you know it's always been about the relationships. Mm. It's never been so much about what happens in the building. Um, so it's, I'm doing fine. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm pressing on like mm. everybody else. I think during this time, but I won't lie. I am, I'm looking forward to the day when some of the rhythms of life that we associated with the pre uh, March season return again. Yes. And I, I don't know when that's going to be, but mm. I I'm living with hope. Yeah. And I think you articulate so clearly what so many people are feeling right now. It's the mix of the goodness of the things we've experienced and the really hard things and giving yeah. ourselves permission to acknowledge both of those things side by side you bet. and being ready to move ahead, but without holding on and all of those good things. And so um, I think you are finding yourself in good company. So thanks for sharing that and be yeah. so authentic about that. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, Dan, you are um, an incredibly busy guy. There is uh, no shortage of task lists on your list every day. Uh, there are people who want to spend time with you. You get invitations all of the time. And in fact, when I asked you to be here with us today, I thought, we're reopening the church. He's got a lot going on. Um, there's no way he's going to say yes to this. <laughs> and you did. And I even gave you an opportunity to punt to <laughs> later in the season, you know, when air quote things go, get slower, right? Yeah. And you didn't. You said, no, I want to do this. Um, why did you choose to be here with us today? Because when Sue Ann Canfield <laughs> asks, <laughs> I jump. <laughs> I told you you'd be honest today, Dan. Come on. <laughs> Um, I am being honest there, Sue Ann. I, I will also say there, there were a couple of other reasons. One was, you know, I just feel like um, 
the role that the women's community play in our day is so significant uh, in the life of our church, in the life of our families, our the various organizations and institutions of the society, that any chance that I get to be able to um, support and encourage uh, women, I, I want to grab it. I don't mm. want to leave that for later. <laughs> if, if the opportunity presents itself, I want to take advantage of that. And then the theme that you uh, have raised for this podcast around the subject of influence and encouragement is very close to my heart. Mm. And so I was excited about the chance mm. to reflect on that further and to ruminate with you and with our audience about this really important subject. Mm. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. And I have, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I have witnessed that encouraging heart in you and the fact that you really do want to champion people and to call out influence in other people. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited uh, to have you here. And one of the reasons uh, your uh, wonderful associate, Deb Reha, said, I bet he's really going to want to do this. So she was right, (laughs) as she usually is. We love our Deb Reha, for those of you that know uh, Deb. Well, I do want to talk about this subject of influence. And uh, for me, one of the things that I have become incredibly passionate about over, especially the last several years, and especially as it relates to women today and as we do women's ministry, is this belief that everyone carries influence, right? Everyone because God created us, it is inherent in us that we carry a certain level of influence. And at the same time, everyone needs to be encouraged to live out that influence, mm-hmm. to um, have someone who sees that influence in them and say, you know what, you can do this. I see this mm-hmm. and you can do this. And and I believe uh, that women actually carry a really unique influence. And when I say that, I don't mean that it's better than another type of influence that someone else uh, carries. It doesn't mean uh, that it's better than a man's influence or someone else's. I don't mean it that way. But I do believe that women carry a unique influence in their homes in their workplaces, in their communities, in their schools, in their churches, uh, right? The list goes on and on. There is something unique that a woman brings, especially in relationships, I think, in the way she leads, that I think um, this world needs a little more of. Mm. And um, I think one of the questions I really am most curious to hear you talk about today is, is you are a man who's been marked by the influence of women. You bet. Um, and I would love to hear a little bit more about who are those women that have influenced you on your journey and um, why, why yeah. did they influence you? Yeah, I feel like my life has been uh, profoundly shaped by these remarkable uh, women that God has brought into the into the circle of my experience, um, I, I would say chief my my bride of mm-hmm. thirty one years, Amy, has been enormously influential on in my life. Um, she is for me the model. Of, she's probably the most courageous and self disciplined mm. person I know. Uh, she's somebody who has um, uh, had challenging uh, up. Uh, uh, growing up in life experiences in California and rural Mississippi, uh, and yet found a way to triumph through those circumstances remarkably. Uh, when I first met her, she was a hair on fire corporate sales executive in the Silicon Valley uh, with the rise of the whole computer industry and had built a career for herself. Uh, by age 30, she decided to go back to 
to school and complete a college degree. And then when we wound up back here in the Midwest, uh, she uh, did a second college degree in her 40s uh, to chase a new passion, this time the world of interior design and build a whole nother career for herself. Um, As I said, she's just um, relentlessly self-disciplined. She's the only person I know who never misses a day of flossing. (laughs) 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 And usually personal uh, exercise every single day. She's been a half Iron Man uh, 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 contestant. She's uh, uh, currently um, training uh, for a marathon. And even though the Chicago Marathon is not going to be run, she's st- this weekend she was still out there running 14 miles in the rain. Mm. Um, so she has influenced me in so many marvelous ways. She's made me want to try harder. She's made me believe that anything's possible um, if you set your mind to it. And I'm just greatly, greatly blessed by her. Mm. Uh, I think that um, uh, my grandmother was also a tremendously influential person in my own life. She set a very, very high bar for what she would call family values or family standards. Mm. And she believed that we were to cleave together and support each other uh, through thick and thin. Uh, she was a person who had a very high standard of excellence, and whether it was uh, personal manners and consideration of others or how you came at your job or, or your studies. She just was, she was tough mm-hmm. that way. And, and she sometimes said very hard things to me as I was growing up. Uh, she, she was one of those people that just spoke the brutal facts mm. and told me when she thought I was slacking and needed to up my game. Mm. Uh, and yet I always knew she was so for me. Mm. And she was a person who would name the gifts that she saw, you know, the qualities, the talents. Uh, she had an amazing ability to communicate love and affection uh, for me. My own mom um, has also been a very big influencer in my life. Um, she was the steady uh, person in my growing up years. My dad was, as you know, uh, corporate lawyer and sports lawyer and politician, and it was away a great deal of the time. And my mom was sort of the steady presence of love in our family. Mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, on Mother's Day, I gave her a card years and years ago. I think I was probably about 12 or 13 years old, and it said, I was my attempt at poetry, I said, and though I live... I've lived for many a year, oft treated like a swine. I still regard you, mother dear, as loving, sweet, and kind. <laughs> you gave that to your mother. <laughs> and we still joke about it. Uh, but uh, but That she, will be another topic. <laughs> cards you don't give your mother. Yeah, speak of <laughs> encouragement. This was not encouraging. But uh, in, in, in reality, she just, my mom has been so loving, sweet, and kind. And... Um, she just was that safe person uh, to go to when I'd failed, uh, when I was sad, when I was uh, struggling. I just felt like she always was there to listen and still is to this very day in, in her 80s. Um, but my mom was also a tremendous model to me, Sue Ann, of, um, of the blend of, of convictions and conduct, and I'll say more about that a little a little later. But mm. my mom is a person who just had really strong beliefs in life, and and they were often around the subject of care. And I'll give you just two quick examples. Um, my mom uh, cared a lot for 
uh, animals. She had a heart for the vulnerable, and she thought that animals were among the most vulnerable in our world. And I remember watching her um, start as a volunteer for the local SPCA, and and how quickly over the months to come she her engagement in that uh, work of cleaning cages and then other dimensions of that work began to to grow. And about a year later, she's now the president of the local SPCA and helping to organize other people to do these things. And then as she goes along the journey even further, she begins to realize that, that the problem in, with animal care is that there's just this constant stream of unwanted animals coming in to the shelters. Mm-hmm. And as she thinks about that, she realizes that's happening because people don't think about the um, the negative impact of just letting animals breed out of control and they don't spay and neuter their animals and then she looks at that further and realizes well they're not doing that because it's expensive to get your animals spayed and neutered and so she thought what if I could uh, mount an effort that would educate people about the importance of spaying and neutering animals and provide low-cost spay and neutering Hmm. And so over the next two years, she raises a million dollars and builds a, a spay and neuter clinic and gets convinces local vets to volunteer their time and do cut rate uh, spaying and neutering. And she builds an organization called Animals by Choice that exists to this day. Wow. Um, so that's just one example. I've seen her do it in, in the area of she has great concern for the environment And I watched her uh, also in her 40s go back to school and get a college degree in Mm. environmental sciences and then become an active leader within the Audubon Society and a a number of other environmental concerns. Mm. So my mom has been an influence, you know, in not just on my life, but on the life of animals and the community and the the God's creation. Yes. Now, let me ask you, as, as you were, I'm trying to, I don't know how old you would have been watching your mom do all of those, but I'm thinking about people who are listening yeah. who have kids right now in mm. their home. And um, some of them may be feeling like, you know, how does this mark my kids? How how do I, as a woman who's out there living my dream and um, doing these things, advancing causes that I believe in, how does it, how does, do my kids notice? Does it mark my kids? And I'm hearing you say that had a really profound influence on you. Oh, yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I think the, I think that probably no role in, uh, in life in general, certainly in American life, is, is one where one is more prone to underestimate the influence one is having than motherhood, mm. particularly stay at home motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have so idealized the moving and shaking in the wider world, which is not without its significance too. Um, but but the, the gift of the presence of, of a mother in the life of a child mm-hmm. and what she ends up modeling and what she ends up saying that is remembered uh, is something that that can only be appreciated later in life, sadly. Mm. Uh, it's the thing that, that, that mothers don't really get a chance to know until the, the kids are much, much further along the journey. Mm. And now that my mom's in her 80s, um, mm. she hears a lot from us, and she's stunned and surprised <laughs> again and again by, by how many of her, the qualities of her life and of her convictions have imprinted themselves upon her 
uh, four kids and made a continuing ripple in the world in places where she cannot physically go herself. Yes. I have a brother who's a judge, a brother who's a surgeon, a brother who's a, a sister who's a, uh, a political campaign consultant. And You're a very mom. underachieving family. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my mom has played a really important yes. part in shaping the vision of every single one of us. Yes. And that's true for the moms that are listening to us right now. That's you, right. Your kids, mm-hmm. uh, it's not just your bad habits that <laughs> they're going to take up. They're, they're also going to, you're going to be surprised downstream mm-hmm. yeah. by, by what a blessed influence you've been. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. I, I have no doubt there are some people out there listening that needed to hear that encouragement yeah. today. So thank you for that. Yeah. Did you have a few others you wanted to share? Yeah. I didn't mean to interject there no, on no. you. Uh, you know, I think that um, I've been very, very um, inspired by many of the great women leaders that I've met along the way. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I lived in Northern Ireland, Belfast, Northern Ireland, for a couple of years. And I lived with the only clergy couple on the entire island of Ireland. So mm. uh, Marlene Taylor, who was my host during that time, was one of the very few female pastors uh, in all of Ireland. And um, I was uh, profoundly impacted by watching her do her work uh, as a pastor. I was um, blessed to serve in my very first church with a remarkable leader named Anne Swanson. Mm. Uh, Anne was a phenomenally competent uh, teacher, pastor, uh, program organizer, and she too was somebody who had the courage of her convictions to confront um, power mm. <laughs> uh, in in very direct ways. Sometimes she confronted me <laughs> and, point, and pointed out things that were immature mm-hmm. or ill considered in my in my um, life. And I they weren't easy always to hear, but I've been really um, shaped for the better for uh, because of Anne. Uh, I've worked here at Christ Church alongside of people like Adele Calhoun, mm. so wise and loving and. Tracy Bianchi, mm-hmm. full of such creativity and brains and flair. Uh, I've worked uh, alongside people like Lisa Capazzoli, who are so humble and deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had the, the chance to work alongside of you, Sue Ann, uh, who I admire so, so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, also for your humility and for the, the way that you just invest in individuals mm-hmm. in such a thoughtful way, the way you've used the gift of writing to um, to sh- to not only share your heart but to uh, create bridges with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been a church full of incredible um, servants. I think of people like Carol Dill, who mm-hmm. who took an idea that I that I gave her for a alternative Christmas market and um, catapulted that uh, into what we call Spirit Village, raising hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, for so many practical needs around the world. Um, I could just give you a very Mm. long list of of amazing women that I've known here who've taught me what leadership looks like Mm. in in word and in deed. Mm. Uh, So, yeah. Well, you know, what I love about that list and just hearing these stories is that, um, you know, influence doesn't just look one way. 
There's yeah. not there's not one way that we influence people, and it takes all different kinds of um, influences and rubbing shoulders with people in different ways that make us who we are. Right when we walk through life, and you, you've described courage and faithfulness and love and leadership and even those hard challenges that yes. people have gotten in your face a little bit and how those have all made you who you are today. Yeah. I think it's one of the beautiful things about influence because I think sometimes, especially as women, we think influence looks one certain way. Yes. That, um, And we do this in the church, right? The people who are influential are the people who are up front. They yes. are the pastors. They are the people who communicate. They are the people um, who are doing the things that we see. And yet there are so many people in so many ways who are living out their influence in quiet ways that no one will ever see that maybe sometimes make the greatest impact of any anybody or anything. And I love that you so clearly um, articulated that and reminded us of that today. And I'm going to ask you to comment on on something that I think a little a lot about because so often we say influence is is what you do. Mm. And um, I believe more and more that influence is about who you are. Mm. And I know those things probably go together as well. Yeah. What do you What do you think about that? You know, I think that um, I think that we sometimes create a false dichotomy between who we are and what we do. Dallas Willard was fond of saying that that character is the combination of conviction and conduct. Mm. And so our conduct usually flows out of our convictions. It's who we. It's what we truly believe. Um, is the is it uh, becomes the thing that we then go forth to do. And if and if our own um, internal compass is inconsistent with some of the things we do, people pick it up, and it doesn't. It influences, but negatively. They realize they they, they see the hypocrisy mm-hmm. between uh, what we do and. And, or what we say and who we actually are. So I, I think I think that um, probably the number one thing we do to cultivate influence in the world is to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's one of the most crucial things is to is to attend to our own emotional and spiritual and relational health. And I think it's it's truly healthy people that are the greatest influence mm-hmm. over time. I mean, there there may be. Uh, celebrity uh, and power may, uh, for a moment, uh, gain the attention of others, but it's the people who are who walk their talk, who mm-hmm. who are people of great um, personal integrity, who over time have the greatest kind of influence upon us. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Um, I love that because there's there's so much in that um, that is just encouraging and this reminder and even the season that we talked about at the beginning that we've been through with COVID and quarantine and and reminding ourselves even there's some of those things that we do that have been taken away from us and mm. it's this consistency of character and that overflow of, of who we are and how those go together that is the reminder especially for women who may be listening who are feeling that a little bit that they've lost some of that and to say you know what no it's about this this conviction and this character that you're talking about and just to lean into that and to embrace that during this season, I think, especially. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I'm conscious of is that all of us have around us in the world, whether it's in our home or in our circle of friends or in our neighborhood or the community organizations we interact with or vocational life, we have 
we, you know, we've got these people around us who are in need of encouragement in a way that um, they don't give voice to necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a wonderful book many years ago by Larry Crabb, a marvelous Christian writer and psychologist, uh, called Encouragement, the Key to Caring. And what Crabb suggested was that is that if when we meet people, we ought to we ought to um, picture a uh, that we're meeting somebody with a very soft center, and that soft center is a place of great vulnerability, uh, no small amount of fearfulness and uncertainty, that has been protected over the years through layers that have been built on. It's almost like one of those. Um, those candies that we had as children where um, uh, the lollipop where we <laughs> began licking and then it changed color and it changed color and it, it we kept getting closer and closer to the center and we discovered there were all the, these layers of color and candy and in the middle is this gooey soft mm. uh, part. And um, what Crab suggests in, in this book is that is that when we meet people, we want to always be speaking to the center. Hmm. Uh, as I said, they may have developed layers of toughness, of self-assurance, of talkativeness, uh, of aggression, uh, but at the center is this soft part for which those things were just the adaptation. Hmm. And, and what everybody is looking for is, is to have someone who sees um, the good heart the real hopes, the, the actual hurts at the center of them and speaks in love towards them. Mm. And when somebody feels that they're in the presence of somebody that, that cares for them even in their uncertainty and their hurts and is for them and is not going to leave them, they become capable of mm. their best mm. uh, at a deeper level. Mm. And we are never so old that we stop needing somebody that sees the, the soft center and, and encourages us to not be afraid. Mm. That, that I, I'm often impressed that in the Bible, the, the consistent message of the messengers of God is uh, be not afraid. Right. <laughs> and I think it's because we, all of us, no matter how far along we go in life, st- are still dealing with that, mm. that soft center of us that wonders whether we're okay, whether we're really beloved, whether our lives really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the ministry of encouragement is about speaking um, to that tender part of people. Mm. You know, Dan, one of the things that I have watched you do, I've watched you do exactly what you're talking about, and I've watched you um, name the gifts you see in other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to tell a story from my experience uh, with you. Um, I was, I think it was one of the first times I was asked to preach uh, here, and we were over in um still when we called it 2HC uh, in our fellowship halls. So if you're listening and you're not from Christ Church, I apologize that you might not know what that means, but it's the space that we worshiped in before we were in our new worship auditorium. And I was preaching one Sunday morning. It was during August that we call our Summer Light Series. And 
and Tracy Bianchi had told me, and Tracy was, has been on staff here, used to be on staff here, still one of our teaching pastors, and and she said, now I want you to know, because you were off. You know, mm-hmm. August you usually take as a preaching hiatus. Right. And you were off, and Tracy said to me, uh, before, like the week before, she said, I want you to know that Dan is going to be in the building, and he's going to be walking around, and probably uh, he will come in at some point while you are preaching. And she said, so I just want to warn you, if you're in the middle of your sermon, <laughs> and Dan walks in, she said, I just want to prepare you for that. And wouldn't you know, I was probably 10 minutes into my sermon, and I, I remember, I'm so thankful she told me that. And you are a tall guy, so you are hard to miss. <laughs> you walked in the back of the room. I remember your wife, Amy, saving a seat for you, and I watched you uh, walk in and sit down. You put your arm around her. And in the back of my head, I remember thinking, okay, just keep talking, just keep talking, just be yourself, just be who you are. And I, you know, sometimes us as preachers or communicators, we have a whole train of thought going on in the back of our head while the words are still coming out. And this is what I'm thinking to myself, just, it's okay, it's just Dan, it's okay, it's okay, keep talking. And I remember after that uh, service uh, talking to you, and um, I remember you saying to me, you know what, you need to do more of that. Mm. Those were your words to me. You need to do more of that. And I have heard you say about yourself, this was in one conversation I heard you say one time, that that um, doing that, and I call it naming the gifts in other people, yeah. doing that is, is something that has come natural to you, that it is... Mm. Um, you said it's like seeing colors. You yeah. see red, you see blue, you see green. It's just so clear to you, and you cannot name what you see. Yeah. I would love for you to say a little bit more about um, where that comes from and where that comes from for you. Maybe you've already answered that a little bit, but also why you think it's so important for us to do for one another. Wow, you know, I haven't got no idea where that comes from in me but <laughs> but you are correct that I um, I do walk through life amazed by people mm-hmm. uh, I really do I find myself um, sometimes I'm sitting up there in front of the congregation and I look out and I see all the different faces and the stories and I know uh, something about the uniqueness of the various folks that I'm seeing and I and I just get this lump in my throat and these tears come up in my eyes and I think I just love these people. I'm just so amazed by by human beings um, and by what they can do, what they think, how each person is their own, as you say, flavor or color. Um, and so I am, I'm, I'm like a person who enjoys walking through a garden and seeing all of the different uh, colors and shapes and succulences of of the garden, I feel like feel that way about people, and uh, so to not name it feels like I'm I'm in some ways failing the the one who created it. Mm. Uh, I just think that it's part of the way I praise God is to name the gifts that I see and the people that He's made. Mm. And but I also know that that sometimes people are afraid to use a gift because a they don't recognize it or b they don't think it's really important. And so part of the reason why I do take the time to, to, to speak to people about the gifts that I see is, is in the hope that, that they've noticed that about themselves and that they will lean into using that capacity more fully. Uh, I think there, there are so many people who um, go through life 
uh, as I've said earlier, underestimating the influence they're having and maybe not fully using that influence mm -hmm. because it hasn't been celebrated. Uh, so I, I think, I remember I had a little a child come up to me uh, about eight years old, uh, not too long ago, before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the parent said, um, our son would like to, to ask you something. And uh, so I knelt down uh, on the on the floor and looked eye to eye at this in this child, and I said, "What are you What are you wondering about?" And the child said, "Do you like being a preacher?" <laughs> and I, I, uh, I smiled because, with absolute clarity, what I could tell was the question was not about me. Mm -hmm. The question was about a gift that was rising in the child. And so I said to the child, do you think you might be called to maybe one day stand up and, and be somebody that speaks to groups of other people? And the child just burst into this wide beaming grin and shook the head up and down uh, because what they were seeing, uh, what they really were wanting was to was to pursue the passion uh, that that they were feeling in themselves, mm -hmm. and so the chance to be able to help name that for that child, and to celebrate that God and I don't know whether this child will be a preacher or a speaker or a motivational talker or or what, mm -hmm. but the chance to to be able to encourage what I think is a rising gift mm -hmm. just feels like one of the greatest privileges that we get in life. Mm -hmm. uh, now you're gonna make me cry a little bit with that story. <laughs> well, the the I love that so much because um, probably that little boy, if that is true, that's gonna be a moment that he marks forever mm. in his life. He is gonna remember the time that his pastor took that moment to see something in him. And you're right, that's how it happens. That's how people step into the places, I think, that God has called them to, because usually we don't have the courage. Usually we are afraid. Usually yeah. we're insecure. Um, and when someone names it, they give us permission to step into it just a little, maybe a little, maybe dive right into it, or maybe it's just to take that, that just that next step that we need. And I think as women, and by women, I'm gonna say uh, me, Okay. <laughs> I think what I do, uh, I think as women, it is so easy for us not to name it hmm. because there is something inside of us that thinks if we name it for somebody else, it takes something away from us, hmm. right? If we speak into someone else, that sometimes that means I am not good enough. I am not this. I am not that. And so I'm speaking to you as a four on the Enneagram okay. who um, I know we have talked a lot about the Enneagram. Um, and so I apologize if I'm speaking out of turn for people listening who don't know what that is, but I'm going to talk just a second yes. about being a four on the Enneagram and, and my, my besetting sin um, is envy. Hmm. And the thing that I get envious in of other people is their gifts. It's hmm. the beauty that makes them who they are. And so one of the ways I have found a discipline for myself that I have to, I lean into, is I make sure the person I feel most threatened by, I give them the biggest compliment. Wow. And not in a way that is um, insincere. I don't mean it like that. But it's how I remind myself that naming the gifts in other people does not threaten our own gifts. That's good. And so I, I, 
I don't, I think as women, we do this maybe a little bit more. There's mm. a little bit more of that comparison or insecurity. I don't know. You're looking at me like, yeah, guys don't do this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about right, right now. But I think that's one of the reasons maybe as women, we don't always name the gifts we see in other people. And um, I don't know if you have any comment to that or just as a church body, how we can make sure that we're doing that for one another. Yes, you know, I, I do think, I mean, all of us deal with insecurities in, in various forms. And so what you're naming, Sue Ann, is um, familiar to me too, personally. Um, I, I just think that um, creating a world in which more people uh, feel confident in the use of their gifts improves the world for everybody. Mm. Uh, so I just think it is a discipline that's worth pursuing. And we do grow in our own security as we also appreciate mm-hmm. the capacities of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a successful route yeah. to not name other people's gifts. It does not increase our sense of, of, of security in life. It does feel like the church um, is meant to be a place that does this all the time. The Bible is full of, um, particularly the writings of St. Paul, uh, this um, this tradition of, of naming uh, capacities and roles. Uh, so you'll hear Paul talking about uh, the, the value of each member of the body and what they bring, even though they're not the same gifts, uh, how the body needs all of these gifts to, to reach its full potential. Mm-hmm. Jesus was renowned for being uh, able to see and celebrate giftedness. In fact, sometimes he, you know, he, he gave uh, nicknames to people uh, because around their gifts. Mm-hmm. So he, he referred to a couple of his disciples as, as uh, sons of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he gave to uh, Simon uh, the name Rocky uh, to try and call out uh, that greater strength. And as we know, um, Simon was actually quite a, he should have called him Sandy. He was kind of a, a very unpredictable, shifting kind of guy. But Jesus saw a capacity for strength in him, called him Rocky, and we know Peter rose to that and became uh, one of the rocks of the early church. Um, so the church is, should, should be um, one of those environments where where we're celebrating what God is doing in people and what um, they could become if they leaned into uh, their capacities, and the truth is, we you know all of us are on the grow. So nobody uh, starts out with all of their gifts in full flower. Mm-hmm. They, they, it needs watering, mm-hmm. and sometimes the watering or the tending of those gifts is not just about celebration. Um, I think sometimes we shrink the word encouragement to um, to the word affirmation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the way you encourage somebody is by admonishing them, saying, "I saw you. I saw you shrink back there." Or, or I saw you fail to, to, to step up and use your capacity there. As I was saying about, one thing I love about my grandmother is that when she, when she saw me slacking off in something that she knew I could do or ought to be doing, she dared to tell me the truth about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say admonishment alongside of affirmation is a form of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, advocating for people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, creating space uh, asking others who have power and influence to, to, to allow this person to use their gifts or to uh, mentor them is an, an, another part of, our, of the influence that we have. And I, and I would suggest that maybe a, a, a fourth way of encouragement is, is simply the, the gift of, 
of presence with people. Mm. Sometimes it's not what you say. It's simply that you're with people in the midst of, of pain or in the midst of uncertainty. Yes. Uh, that, that, that is a form of influence too yes. that is needed and a form of encouragement. Yes, and I think probably maybe one of the the most important in the way that, um, you know, how often do you think of those moments? You don't remember what anyone said, but you remember who was there. Yeah. You remember who was there. And again, it's one of those things that, that maybe we underestimate about when we think about, well, I, how do I have influence? What do I do? Yeah. Maybe you're the person that shows up and you sit there. Yes. And what a what a beautiful gift that is to to give someone else. And I love that the women of this church um, have all of those gifts. I mean, we we see it play out in so many different ways. And I, I watch them rise up and encourage one another, and advocate, mm. and do the and serve one another, and do the behind the scenes things. And it's it's such a beautiful mix and such a beautiful reflection of how God wires us and creates us and uses us. So thanks for reminding uh, that of us today. Yeah. yeah. Us of that today for sure. Thanks, Sarah. Well, Dan, one last question. Unless did you wanna did you want to comment on that? No, I just you you reminded me of a story I heard some years ago about a, a little girl who came home late from school and was berated uh, by a parent for uh, not coming home on time. And the little girl explained that the reason that she was late was because she was walking home and uh, a little boy in the uh, class had been asked by his parents to pick up um, some milk from the 7-Eleven on the way home, and he had dropped it, and it had broken and spilled all over the, the sidewalk. And so the the mom said to her daughter, well, so you're late because you stayed to help him clean that up. And she says, no, I'm late because I stayed to help him cry. Mm. <laughs> And I do think just sometimes being people who are with others in their losses yes. is one of the most powerful forms of encouragement mm-hmm. that, that we can exercise. Yes, yes. Well, Dan, one last question before we wrap up our time is, um, you know, I'm thinking of the women who are listening today and mm-hmm. just the many different spheres of influence in life they find themselves in today. I'm thinking of the at-home mom who's mm-hmm. changing the diapers endlessly and just not seeing how that is making a difference. I'm thinking about uh, maybe the moms who are sitting around a kitchen table um, trying to figure out how to do middle school algebra and just have no idea yeah. <laughs> and feel like they're banging their heads against the wall and how does this help? I, I think of um, the woman who's maybe taking care of a, a spouse right now who is not doing well or an elderly parent where they are going to that nursing home and they can't get in and feel like there's not much they can do right now. I think of our, our business leaders and our women in the workplace who are trying to figure out, as you mentioned earlier, how to do their jobs in a different way. Um, what encouragement would you give them today to keep pressing on, to remind them that who they are and what they do is a beautiful gift to this world? Yeah, you know, I would say, and I know that, that you've just beautifully described the experience of so many people. I think that uh, one thing I would say is um, you are seen mm-hmm. by a God who loves you and delights in your faithfulness even amidst hard circumstances. There, there is someone into whose arms you're going to fall one day mm-hmm. who, who will embrace you and affirm the fact that when it was really hard, when you 
couldn't see the outcome, when the meaning was not clear, you sought to be loving, patient, kind, gentle, (laughs) self-controlled. And even when you messed up on that, even when you fell short of that, you got back up again and tried again the the next hour or the next day or the next week. Um, You are seen and known. And uh, I just want you to know that. That is one of the great affirmations of the Christian faith, that that God sees and knows us and, and loves us. Um, secondly, I would just I just remind us that that the things that matter most are an agricultural project. I think we live in a world of so many instant results. Uh, we live in a world where um, everything is you know has lives in microwave time. Uh, there's a lot of attention given to to the to the sudden successes of life. Um, you know the the startup that suddenly goes becomes a, a billion-dollar en- entity. But most of what matters in life happens through a very slow process of agricultural tending. The harvest comes much later. Mm. And when you're, when you're in the manure or in the watering process, it's so easy to forget that. Uh, but the greatest, the greatest results come from the people who do the patient tending. Mm. You know, there's that wonderful verse in Galatians where Paul says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up. So I would just say to those who are listening in, who are in that place, uh, you know, don't give up hope. You know, don't give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are going to see a greater harvest from your faithfulness than you can imagine mm-hmm. uh, right now. And if and if what you're doing is is are acts of practical love, you can have great confidence that that that's going to make a difference across time. Well, that is a beautiful word to end our conversation on. Dan Meyer, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for being our pastor, our friend, our mentor, and um, thank you for helping us go deeper still today. We really appreciate you being here. Honor, honor to be here and to talk with this uh, wonderful audience of yours. Thanks, Dan. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Most importantly, I hope you have been reminded today that you are an amazing woman of influence, that God sees you, he knows you, and I pray that you have been encouraged and inspired to live out your influence in both what you do and who you are in a new way. Uh, Just a quick note of correction. I said in the introduction, introduction that Dan earned his Master's of Divinity from Yale Theological Seminary, and I should have said Princeton Theological Seminary. He actually earned his undergrad from Yale, so I just wanted to make that correction before you go today. Next week in episode two of Deeper Still, we will begin a conversation around the New Testament book of James, where we are going to examine the relationship between faith and works. And I am so excited about this because we together are going to be challenged to live out our faith in some new and powerful ways. And I just cannot wait for this conversation. Chris Stevenson will be my guest for that. And so I do hope you will come back and join us. 
If you are interested in joining an official small group that follows along with this podcast, I'd invite you to do that by visiting www.christchurch.us forward slash women. And you can go to um, a tab there called The Well, and you can choose a group that fits your schedule. I'd also invite you to follow the Christchurch Women's Ministry on Facebook. We are on Instagram. And probably the easiest and quickest way to stay up to date with all things happening in our women's ministry here is to sign up for our text updates. You can simply text the word women to 630-206-3597. Well, friends, thanks again for being here today. Most importantly, I just want to remind you that no matter where you are listening from today or what you're facing, I pray you may find the grace and the courage and the confidence to go deeper still as you live out who you are today. Go in peace, and I hope to um, see you back here again real soon.